about it podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Let's Talk About It podcast, where we drop brand new episodes every first and third Friday of the month. And with me today, I do not have my wife. However, I do have a wonderful, awesome, special guest, my man, Bruce Menifee. How you doing? I'm second best to your wife. (laughs) We both agree on that. (laughs) Man, well, we're so glad to have you on the show, man. Uh, For people who don't know, I'll give a little context. So we moved here about six months ago. And, um, and so we, uh, serve as, uh, you know, pastors together on the team. And so, uh, he's a person that I report directly to, but quickly in the short six months that we've been doing this together, um, I have just learned so much from you. You've just poured into me and, uh, not just me, but you've also poured into my wife. And so we both want to thank you. She couldn't be here today, but not only do we want to thank you, we want to share the gift that you have been to us with other people. Oh, thank you so much. It, it's it's reciprocal. You know, it's two-way street with uh, Ruth and I and you and Juby. So we're so glad you're here. Well, we appreciate on many, it, man. many, many levels. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great. It's been great. So really, I can kind of just uh, get, get things going just for a little bit so people kind of have a little intro as to who you are. Uh, we don't have to go deep yet, but uh, I guess how long have you been now at Gateway and kind of what brought you here? And you can kind of take it from there, man. It's uh, been almost 10 years. Okay. July is, is 10 years for me. We were, uh, Ruth and I met in Arlington. And we were here in a church in North Richardson Hills for 11 years or so. And, uh, you know, I had a student ministry, I had fun, did, did some worship, but then moved out to help start a church in the Lubbock area. Mm. We were there almost 12 years and then moved back uh, almost 10 years ago. So yeah. glad to be here. My friend Marcus Burkeen, shout out, Marcus. Yeah, I don't know if you're listening. <laughs> you send it but, to him. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, his name got on the tape. But, you know, yeah, it, he it took a chance and hired me, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, yeah. Now, talk a little bit about what you do, like what's your role, because that's going, that's kind of going to give the setup as to where we're going with today's talk. Okay, so uh, as you said, we work together in the guest experience. Some people call it first impressions. You know, that's anything from the parking lot to the pew. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, up up until the platform, but we're not on the platform. But all those uh, volunteer teams we work with, you and I, and uh, our our friend Craig. But um, then I also uh, serve with the the care team. Pastoral care is benevolence and bereavement. That's hospitalization or the death of a loved one, funerals, those kinds of things. And uh, and then just biblical counseling, marriage counseling, marriage ministry yeah. are all entailed in that. And the other thing is the gateway ministry experience. That's that's uh, a great opportunity for for people that. Or maybe are in a gap year to it's come. Kind of like and, an internship. It right? is, yeah. yeah, a lot like that. Um, and then the, finally, we do our Gateway Espanol. So I I, I don't speak it in Spanish too much, but <laughs> I uh, un, un poquito. <laughs> un poquito. I, I've learned to say no. I used to say <laughs> si, si poquito, and, and then they start they say things more than poquito, and it's like okay, right? No, yeah. I don't. No, <laughs> solo gringo, yeah, solo inglés. So yeah, that's it, <laughs> that's man. <a> <laughs> <laughs> so oh, anyway, good. but we I have a, a a friend who's a volunteer lead and he does a great job just to make Gateway as friendly in either language, English or Spanish. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that you do is so clearly you have a lot of moving pieces and with that you have a lot of people that serve under you. But something that you do well and I've I've said this to you before and I've said it too in front of our team, but I want everybody and I want the world now to hear this <laughs> <I'm on>. <laughs> <laughs> but surely you you are a what i call you are a pastor of pastors and what i mean by that is there's a lot of people there's there's people in the world who can teach um but then there's people who teach the teachers there's people in the world who can coach whether it's a basketball team um tennis players whether it's a football team whatever there's people who can coach but then you have people who can coach coaches and in the same sense, that is true in the pastoral world. And now people who are viewing and listening, I get it. Not everyone who's listening are pastors. However, all of us need to be pastored. And I would say the greatest gift, though, that you bring is be, you being a pastor of pastors requires you having the ability to. It's not just a skill set. It's not just a talent or a gift. Yes, that's there. But you are the result of intentional 
self-awareness. You are, the, you are the result of, of intentional hard work. And some people, you know, don't like that, the word intentionally, you can say on purpose, but you've done things on purpose to get to where you're at. And, and because of you are the result of that, I, as well, as well as other people on this team get to also receive from that. Uh, as I said earlier, Juby and I are recipients of that in the short time we've been here. So one, I want to thank you yeah. um, because the Lord's already used you to reveal a lot of th- things about us individually as well as collectively. Um, but two, I really just kind of want to set up the framework for you. You as Cher, you have not always been like that. Oh yeah. So I kind of would love for you to just have an opportunity to unpack your story, wherever it is you want to start. What, what were you like before? And maybe what were some events and things that led to the, you now I get it. We're always works in progress. I get it. We're always growing. However, you were still the result of intentional on purpose, hard work and self-awareness. And at the end of the day, we need that. We need to have tools um, and awareness as to how we can identify things within ourselves. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Uh, I, it's humbling to hear that, but I also know, you know, not to deflect it because it, what you see is, is a, like you said, a work in progress, but it's also a work. I know the story. So I know what a mess internally, you know, I've been at times and how kind and patient, the, the Lord has been, you know, I, I haven't always liked Romans two, I think it's verse six, where it says, don't you know that the kindness of God leads us to repentance? And that's the change of, of thinking, change of mind. And in my case, change of heart. Uh, and it hasn't always come the easy way, you know, um, maybe like my, our, our pastor at Gateway, Pastor Robert Moore says the only way to get through to the uh, proven character is the various trials that we go through. And uh, of course, in, in, I think it's second Peter one, we see that. So, you know, I, I just to tell my, a little bit of my story, uh, we, when I told you we went to Lubbock, um, we were starting a church and I, I went on with a guy well trusted. I, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd worked with Tim and man, we were going, uh, well meeting in a, in the civic center and uh it was it was fun we had good momentum from the from the front from the top and we we were portable um but we continued to be portable for uh, and our people like that but i part of my job was be the portable i mean it was everything was mobile so man we we did that five and a half years wow. so set up and take down uh, every, every single week every single week wow. sometimes twice most of the time twice a week and then every everything we wanted to do student ministries or whatever we all had to do that so everything subsequent to the weekend service we were, we we're still doing that so that got a little bit old at some time you know when you rent an apartment for uh, uh, so many years maybe it's time to get a house and mm. so we we prayed and felt like it was the time, and uh, I'll <clears throat> I'll do my best to make a long story short. You know me, so you know that's a challenge <laughs> for me, um, being a preacher type or whatever. But but yeah, we we got upside down uh, financially on, because we um, bought more property than we uh, needed to mm-hmm. build the building, and it was in a growth quadrant, and you know felt like we had lots of leadership uh, in, speaking into it. So it wasn't cavalier that we did that, yeah. But it was just tough times, mm-hmm. you know. Financially, uh, ran into two thousand eight, which is a rough time financially, uh, real estate wise, and everything else. But um, so, long story short, we we had to our, our salaries were, you know, uh, cut. We were bivocational, and then for a while we were avocational, meaning. We still served at the church without salary at mm-hmm. all. And just because, you know, we were paying for the, the land and the, you know, everything that was uh, where the church was sitting. And that's just, those are just trials. Those are hard times. I'm not saying something yeah. that, you know, is is out of the ordinary maybe, or, I mean, it, it was tough for us, but it's not like this has never happened before yeah. or worse things haven't happened. And somebody's watching going, man, that's all that's happened to you, man. Ain't nothing. <laughs> but, but for us and for me personally, uh, being in my mid forties, then just really taking it personally. Um, in what way? Well, just, just, I got, first of all, I got angry. 
and didn't know where exactly to put that anger. Um, so I put it on this visionary friend. And by the way, we're great now. So I, I want to complete that sentence before I even started. But um, <clears throat> the that friend that I told you I trusted, and we worked together 22 years, so by all told. But that's kind of where it went. I was like, what are we doing? But I, I was a part of the decision mm. to build where we built and you know, I was, I was part of that decision. So I couldn't justifiably point anger, but it, nothing was logical about how I felt it was in the heart. Mm. And I didn't even know, here's what I know. I felt mad that I was pushing a lawnmower and holding a weed eater and driving a tractor, um, and not, not doing the work of the ministry. So if you want to just know the ugly, um, I appreciate all the nice stuff you said, but you know, it's not, not all been nice inside, uh, in, in my heart. So I just, I, I had an entitlement poison mm. and I felt like, and I, it's hard to even say this, but I'm embarrassed to say it, but I felt like God owed me cause God called me into ministry vocationally. Mm-hmm. I felt like he owed me probably a better road than what I was on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that, right? But it was it was pretty loud in my heart. But I was trying to ignore the heart and just kind of muscle through it and all that. And then I just couldn't really go anymore, Mark. And and um, there's a uh, wonderful lady named Karen that had an inner inner uh, healing ministry, and she had lots of guys, uh, uh, you know, men and women involved. So, um, but she was there in the church and. Um, Although I hesitated because mm-hmm. she was in the church, I mean it, it was it was a uh, it was a really strong ministry in my life, and what it did was I was arrested by the anger. Let me finish, not by the police, <laughs> right? The spiritually speaking, <laughs> I was, uh, just in my heart, just uh, arrested that I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. I can't keep an angry attitude towards a pastor and trying to hold things in. Really, what I felt like was that if I could over spiritualize, if I if I could spiritualize my life, I could go to conference more, read the Bible more, pray more. If I was more spiritual, I wouldn't have these angry, ugly feelings. And let's pause real quick. Yeah, you're hitting some great points because there's some people that's listening and watching this right now. They might be going like, "Okay, well, I'm not serving in a vocational ministry position." But here's the deal: there's probably people though watching, listening. Maybe they're in the season of anger because of their current situation or circumstance, whether it's at their business and organization, whether it's in within their family. And the other word you use was um, entitlement, you mm-hmm. know, and same thing. You might be watching, listening to this. You might not be in his same thing. As you said earlier, that's not his story is not your story. However, I'm willing to bet there are people who is listening and watching who are currently in that situation or who has been in that situation. Talk about, the the I guess the the detriment and what entitlement and anger does long term. So, so what I I learned from this inner healing therapy was <clears throat> that anger is an overriding emotion that can act as a protector or a cover a, a power source. Mm. You feel a lot of power when I'm angry that I don't when I'm not. So I want to I want to. tap into more power i'm I'm searching for something so give me some more power a turbocharger right and problem is you can't control anger eventually anger controls you or at least it it does me so it's a defense mechanism Uh, it it is it can be a protector a false protector it can be a false power Mm. and and those those things are overriding emotions where if the anger is is uncovered or and in our case, as as believers, given to the Lord, then it exposes the underlying emotions and beliefs that are much more vulnerable. And it was in that time, Mark, that I discovered that really I wasn't angry at the pastor, and you know, I was I, was, I did have some anger, you know, like I said, in the entitlement with God, but it was it wasn't really anger. It was a, a a pretty keen sense of my own inadequacy and failure. Wow! Because I couldn't I couldn't muscle this church back up. I, I in in my part I wasn't the lead pastor, 
but I couldn't get our men's ministry. We had a good one. Great guys. Love them today. Uh, but in the worship and any, any influence I had felt like it was not enough. So there was this big sign on my head or belief in my heart. I should say not enough. Yeah. And that's what was manifesting. I was, I was using anger to empower me from self-destruction maybe, or uh, just that's, that's the only thing I knew that was my default to, to really an inner failure. You know, like I said, I'm mid forties, man. I'm thinking this is midlife. I'm not only, is this all I have, but like, man, I'm not any good. Yeah. You, you said something about your own inadequacies and failure. That that was a thing. That was the triggering point of, those emotions and that you were experiencing. That Absolutely. Moment. Do you think for a lot of people that might be struggling in the situation that that might be the, that's the common root for people? I think the, the root is common mm-hmm. among, and it might not be anger or entitlement. It might be something else, but the inadequacy piece. Absolutely. Yeah. Most, a lot of, let me just say it like this. A lot of people think if you really knew the, the real me, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't want to be around me. So there's this, this cover up, you know, sometimes a persona we put on or, you know, uh, but it, it never is right if we're pretending. Right. And in my case, I wasn't pretending. I was just mad and wanted to conquer it, but knowing I was powerless to do so. So it, it was a, it was kind of a helpless state. Yeah. Yeah. So what, so what was kind of like maybe the breaking point or maybe the, the, the epiphany? What was the revelation like that moment you, where you're like, I'm not okay. And so now I need to do, I need to do something new. Yeah. Well, I knew, like I said, I, I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. You know, one of the things that was asked in this therapy was, you know, how's that working for you? When I go on my diatribe about how mad I was, well, you know, how's that, how's that going? And I never had a good answer. So <laughs> that's a great it, filter question. To ask it is. <laughs> yeah. I never got a hundred on it. So anyway, but I, I just, I just felt, uh, in the deepest sense of, of that transactional prayer, it, the, the deep sense of the love of God is that God does love me. And in, and in him, I am adequate because he's adequate. And it's not like, I mean, the one who sees me the most and can judge me the, the, the most harshly refuses to do so. Because wow. all the judgment and harshness from God went on to Jesus at the cross. So I can have the inheritance I don't deserve because he took the punishment he didn't deserve. And I had to know that, like, internally. And, and that's what not only healed me of those things, but that's my only hope now. I mean, so, that's, so how do we get to that internally? Because this, this is so good. How do we, and I'm not asking for, like, you know, the, the clear blueprint, you know, sure. two plus two is four, but just just off the top of your head, I don't want to say off the top of your head, but just in your personal experience and what you have gone through, how can we as children of faith and people who might be struggling, they don't know about the told God thing. What does that look like? You know, how, how's that journey look like? For yeah, us? That's a great, great question. Well, I think, you know, if I understand the gospel, uh, correctly or, or, you know, what I read and what the spirit teaches me and what people teach me and what you said about self-awareness, you know, I, it's, it's, it's great that I am, which I am, the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I am the Son of God. Um, but I also know that I have blind spots and issues, and I'm so grateful for my wife. We we joke and laugh and, and all that about our wives uh, telling us bluntly, you know, about what they see, and it's not always pretty. But, man, if it wasn't for Ruth, and you know this, Mark, I, I'd be religious, self-righteous, and not fun to be around. So I, I just think what I'm saying, how do we get there? Well, first of all, we get there um, in, in stillness and in quietness. Mm. 
uh, the, you know, the book of Isaiah there in, uh, in, in chapter 30, it says, and stillness and quietness will be your strength. And we just, we just have to get to a place where I'm no longer fighting, no longer defending. And at the end of a court session, they go defense rests. And I have to get to that place internally where I'm going, okay, I'm not fighting anymore. Uh, God, you're really God and I need you to be God mm-hmm. and I, I surrender. And so I've never done that where he hadn't been faithful to rescue, to, to it's like, okay, now I can work with that, mm-hmm. God says. So that's that's internally one way. And the other way is relationally. You know, I want to say, yeah, Mark, I'm glad you introduced me with all those kind words because I'm the man. And I don't now, because I've been through something, I, I'm no longer entitled and I'm, I'm, I'm fixed. I'm, I'm, I've been through some therapy. I've been through counseling and yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You know, and that's not true. As you said, we're still a work in progress, but I'm a man who needs relationship. You know, I need friends like yourself, um, uh, I need people in my life that can tell it to me straight. And I, I need a, a, a intimacy with my wife. And I'm not just talking about sexually, although that's very important too. But some, um, Ted Roberts is a guy who says intimacy is being uncomfortably close. Mm. And somebody who can really, really talk to me that I really trust that I, I don't necessarily always like. Uh, but I need, mm-hmm. and so if we just admit, Hey, we're, we're a mess and Jesus is the only one who isn't, but everybody else is, then that's a, that's the place to start. Yeah. And then just know that when you're, when you meet him, you're going to see kindness mm-hmm. and you're going to experience love that you never thought failure, admitting failure or lies that are internal would get to, uh, I've just been met with the love I was craving all along. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. You're right. There's not a, I'm glad there's, you said, I'm not going to ask for a formula because I don't have one, Mm. but I just really think being still and letting God do what he wants to do is, is really key. I'm going to come back to that stillness piece. But when you said, when you were sharing the definition of intimacy, being uncomfortably close, Essentially, what I'm hearing you say is some of us struggle then to be uncomfortably close to God the Father because we may not see him as God the Father. So if we want this inner healing that you're talking about, it, it can't be, which is crazy. We we're talking about that this morning in our, in our staff, you know, Pastor Derek was sharing it. It's, it's not outside in, mm-hmm. but it's inside out. And that's essentially what you're saying. But in order to have the inside out mentality, it's the, am I willing to be uncomfortably close with God the Father and see him as Father? Yes, he's King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, all those things. And he's your Father. And essentially, that's because that's relational. <laughs> well said. Right? Yeah, I like what you're saying. Uh, Jesus taught us to pray, saying, our, meaning you're included in us, we're mm-hmm. family our father and father is family language as you said uh mark he i love what you're where you're pointing because he's all the things glorious he's he's king of kings and lord of lords he's uh, creator almighty but he is to us our father because Mm -hmm. jesus won that for us so yeah um that family dynamic and and intimacy um, we, we want to defend, or at least let me stop saying we, and I, I want to defend all the ugly and go, no, 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 I'm, I'm a good, I know there's ugly here, but I'm a good person. And I even want to present, even sometimes a God, look, I've done some of these good things and I, I see this and, and really God wants us to be as he created us to be, which is naked and unashamed. Mm. And when we come to him like that, he knows who we are. He's attracted to our humanity. And that's that's a glorious thing I can't really explain or I don't even fully understand. But my life depends on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's dependable. What I love about your story, though, verse 2, is that as you're sharing this story here, you're saying this was happening in your mid-40s. You've been walking with the Lord for years. 
And what I love about this is that it's, it's, it really is a reflection of God, the father's heart for us that as long as you've been walking with God, it's, it, it almost sounds like you kind of hit, I want to say another level. It actually seems like you hit an entirely new book or series in your life of understanding who God, the father is. And I think that's just, it's incredible because it's, it speaks to two things. One, it shows that it just shows how much God is always chasing us down and that we're never done. But even more so too, um, the number of years in life that we've lived um, just shows that there's, there's always more, you know, like the greater is still in front of us. And so I just want to encourage people who are listening or watching, maybe you find yourself in your thirties or forties and you too have known quote unquote God for years, decades, but it almost seems like you had like a, like a, an additional transformation, I guess, moment in your life. It's, it's kind of like what I'm hearing. Well, and to your point, there's been some more transformation and another, you know, set of humility circumstances uh, since that time. So it's not a one-time epiphany. Um, and there are seasons in our life, many of which we're, we don't really enjoy when we're in the moment. But if we're going to have that proven character, uh, then then we have to go through those things. I wish it weren't like that. I wish mm-hmm. I could sell something else here that, you know, if you'll do this. But I, I'll say this, that grace, uh, it, grace, the grace upon grace that the scripture talks about and glory upon glory, um, you know, when we receive his grace, the abundant, of, uh, I think it's Romans 5, uh, there verse 17, where it says, um, you know, when we receive that abundant provision of, of God's grace and the gift of righteousness, that's when we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So that's the only thing to nullify that, that sin or that the trespass that uh, went through the one man, Adam, is, is the, the man, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So um, didn't mean to get into uh, preaching there, but it's, it's the grace of God that, that teaches us to say no to ungodliness mm-hmm. and opens up for us the levels I didn't even know there were. I wasn't you know, trying to get to another level. I was, I was just trying to survive and all the while God knew what he was doing in, in my life. So, yeah, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad one of us knows where we're headed. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) You talked about the importance of stillness. It has been pivotal and, and not just this season, really the past decade seems like of your life. And you had shared this with me before. I kind of want you to uh, do it again. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. Unpack that, how, however, I remember you saying like, man, if I could preach a sermon and take that wherever it is you want to go, because we hear that, we hear that sense. And many of us heard that before, even knockers have heard be still and know. What does that mean? Well, let me say I'm a student. I'm, I'm learning what that means. Um, there are some in life who, you know, I think a speak of, uh, Pete, Pete Scazzaro, yep. say that 10 times fast, but, um, you know, his emotionally healthy uh, book or emotionally healthy leader, emotionally healthy disciple, multi emotionally healthy, healthy spirituality. You know, he talks about the, the, the life that uh, really he learned from the monks and, mm-hmm. and, um, going back to that life to, to, to being still and not that we have to live like that. But you've mentioned, and I don't want to steal your thunder here, but you're going to two a days, uh, you know, and just just to be with the Lord, not because it's in the morning and I'm supposed to, but just because my heart can't wait to. Mm-hmm. So being being still uh, for me is the hardest thing for me to do, and I know this year the Lord has wanted me to sit down and write, and um, I'll confess to you, I don't I don't like it. As and I don't like the discipline of it, mm. and um, but I will tell you I love the result of it. It's kind of like a workout, you know. You don't always have that mojo to to get going. Sometimes you do, mm-hmm. but um, it's not really about what I feel in the moment. It's just what I what, what how I can be still. For still, some people are riding a bike, you know. They're but they're hearing God. They're they're not. 
it's not that you have to be a monk, you have to be in quiet, you have to be in some kind of robe in a monastery, but you, being still is, is being undistracted and quiet and not in control. You, you ruffling feathers right now. <laughs> I want to apologize. I'm talking about me. Because here's the, it's human nature to be in control. All the, day, all the time. We want control. That's right. But it, it's crazy to say out loud how stillness is actually the opposite of being in control. It's We have to relinquish that. Like, why is that so hard for us? Wow. Uh, well, I, I even the part where it says B. No, oh, that's it. Yeah, it does start with B. You're right. It's not just still, but that it's it's quieting down on the inside, you know. Um, so it's just like the the mom who told the the little boy to sit down and Johnny sit down, Johnny sit down, and finally Johnny sat down in the chair and he had this stiff uh, face, you know. And she said, "Now, Johnny, what what's what's going on? Why do you have that face?" And he goes. I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> In other words, I'm. Uh, you're not gonna control. Right. <laughs> you ain't telling me what to do. So, hey, uh, you're right, Mark. Being still and knowing, and that's not a knowledge knowing. Like I, I know statistics. It's, it's like knowing in my heart. You know that. Ephesians 3 says there's a, a love that surpasses knowledge. It's that kind of depth for knowing that he is God. He is completely in control. And yeah, I, I, I'm pretty good. I could, I could teach a, a class about, you know, how to, how to be disciplined in your Bible study and prayer. I'm, you know, I'm not going to miss every day doing that. But I don't know that I could even write a full paper on being still. Mm. And and that's the one for me that's a challenge because that's when I, I have to just block everything out. Um, and the answer to your question is, why is it so hard? I, I think giving that up, giving that control up and really being into me see mm. with God, intimacy, uncomfortably close. Because when we get really quiet, then we can hear our own thoughts and we can hear those lies that were really loud in my heart. I was telling you about my, my season there in, in Lubbock. I can hear that entitlement and I don't want to see that ugliness. I don't want to stare at it. And sometimes when you're still, that, that kind of stuff gets really loud. So stillness focuses us to confront ourselves well not necessarily it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be that introspective but when you're focused on god and he brings something up mm. then you have that like am i gonna hide like adam tried to hide or am i gonna come out with it mm. and um i'm confronted with that moment i I think that's part of it for me is if i'm still you know it's not always confrontive i don't want to leave this converse this part of this conversation sometimes i I really want to be still because I just need to know that I'm loved, mm -hmm. that I belong. And if I can say this as a man, I need to know that I'm, I'm held. There's a refuge. Mm. I, I'm not, I'm safe I'm, because I don't always know that I am or my family is. And I need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. I think even part of the, the, the being I think the reason why that's so hard is because we have tied our value into what we do. And so if, if, if I'm told to, to, to chill, you know, sit down, I mean, think about it even like in sports, you know, when they say you're coming off the bench, you know, like that feels like lower for sure. You know, it feels lesser because I'm not in the game, yeah. you know, instead of like, it's, but then when you notice your best, bench players or your bench your best role players they're best at it because they value the role they're in so for them being on the bench is not a demotion for them being on the bench is a privilege yeah it's but it's because they they have tied their value and not so much of what they do on the court they've tied their value as to who they are just just as is and so like when i go back to the text of be still like the b part is is like my value is in just 
who I am because of who God made me. Mm. That's great, Mark. And so it's like, if, if I can wrap my mind around that, that actually enables or empowers me to then, oh, I get to be still. So that I have to be still. And like the moment I realize my value is in who I am because of who God's created, not because of, oh, look how great I am, but like God loves me. So the creator of the universe decided to not just create me, but have a relationship with me. And mm. he just wants me to be mm. like, what? Like, I'm already complete. Yeah. You know, and that empowers me to, to be still. And because I'm still, then I can, I can, something you said when you were talking about now, and I thought of, um, it's kind of like a, like a menu. I can read and know what's on the menu, but there's a difference between like knowing what's on the menu and then experiencing the actual meal for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I love that you said like, it's not just knowing statistically it's, do you actually know the Lord for your, for yourself? Not, not do you know about him, but do you know him? And does he know you? Like, have you allowed the uncomfortable <laughs> closeness? That right. you said? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just love the, that whole piece of be still and know, and then that I am God. Cause it's like, once you know, then you know that God is God. And, and here's the thing, like when you think of like the, the fear, the worry, the anxiousness, the doubt, um, whatever emotions that we're experiencing, entitlement, anger, overwhelm, it's impossible for that to coexist mm-hmm. with total awareness of God. And essentially that's what you're saying when you said earlier, like a lot of stillness and slowness is what's helped you to kind of transform the inside out that's kind of what i'm hearing from you. Uh, well then i'm you're hearing it correctly because i can't transform me i can't you know i can't fix me god is the one who created the heart according to jeremiah 17 he knows the heart and he knows how wicked it is without him so i know that's that's a paraphrase but he says there i the Lord know and understand the heart and just think about how much counseling, you know, people are trying to get right now in therapy and cause they want to understand their own heart. It's hard to figure all that out. Mm-hmm. But when we go and we're with someone who, who fully knows us even better than we know us and yet loves us. And as you said, fathers us, that's a good place to be. And I love your perspective where we can be uh, confident uh, being still, not guilt-ridden mm. that, you know, I'm, I'm about to get in trouble. So if I'm still, I know he's going to be mad. And that's just a, uh, we're putting a countenance on God that that's not his, his disposition toward us. It hasn't been and it's, it's not now. So, yeah, you make, you make great points there. Uh, I'm never nervous to be with my wife, Ruth. We've been married 27 years and I want to be, in fact, we, we set aside time just so we can be near each other and not necessarily have to talk about a certain topic or get something done. But as you said, we can just be, Mm. and be near each other, be close. I need to just hold her hand. I just need to know she's near and that we're still connected, right? In heart. And then it, how much more is that important for me to return, which is a, a, a word in the Greek uh, for peace. Part of that is a rejoining, joining again. And it's, it's kind of re- a return back to our creator who knows us more than the, than the designer of my heart. Mm-hmm. So, that helps me understand, you know, I don't know that, I, I guess I thought prayer was for God. Uh, if I sit here uh, an hour, he's more happy with me than if I don't. Wow. And that's just, that's just silly. Yeah. Prayer's for me. Yeah. And when I'm, when I'm with him, somehow, according to scripture, he likes that too. But being still uh, and, and knowing that he's God is just, it's a lifestyle and it's a big lifestyle change for me. And I don't want to hurry away from those moments. Or I, let me say it better. I want to learn how to not hurry away from those moments. Mm. But as you said, when you really get in into God's presence in an unhurried way, 
the the uh i think it's eugene peterson that says the unforced rhythms of grace you're just in his presence and it's like okay this this is this is home now i can be long and i don't have to pretend yeah that's a relief yeah yeah that's beautiful i love how you use the example too with you and your wife ruth and because people who are listening instead of trying to like force this thing that happened with God, think about your most healthy life-giving relationships that you have and reflect on that because I'm willing to bet the closest friendships, whether it's your family, your friends, I'm willing to bet that you are as close as you are with them because of the time you've spent with them and the, 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 the being that you have had with them. And so when I think back, even in my, you know, with my marriage, it's easy for me to say, well, I don't want to watch certain things or do certain things because I want to make my wife mad. I want to honor my marriage or, and here's the, the, the crazy thing is if I didn't do all those things, I would still be honoring my marriage technically, or I can just spend more time with Juby. And because I spend more time with her, I don't want anything or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Great. It's, and so in the same sense, you know, what, what I'm hearing you say is it's, don't try to like force this, like, God, you hear, God, you hear. It's no, really no, and just trust that the scripture already says it. You just got to believe it. Mm-hmm. And stillness for you might start off just being two minutes. Yeah. You know, like put, when I started doing this, I literally used the, the breathe app on my Apple watch. <laughs> just put it on for two minutes, you know, it's not a contest. It's not. And then two became five and then five will become 15. Sometimes I put on worship before I did that. Um, sometimes we'll take a walk around and I love that you left room for that. Like stillness is a variety of different ways. And so if you don't know where to start, the point is just start. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter, but think, reflect on, you know, for those who are listening and watching, like reflect on your most life giving relationships Think about what has made that healthy and essentially is what you're doing with God, the father. That's all he's asking for. And what, what I've, what I've learned is too, in the past year and a half, you think of all the spiritual disciplines, not just stillness, rather it's going to church, small groups, praying, reading, uh, worship, whatever it is doing the, doing the disciplines does not make God love you more. And then not doing them doesn't make him love you less. So then of course the question becomes why we do it. And essentially it's because it increases our awareness of his love for us. And it increases our awareness of our love for him. Mm, that's great. Like, think about that. So good. Like, God's love is, there's, we can't earn it. We couldn't earn it. That's why Jesus came. That's right. You know, so there's nothing that we can do that can get him to love him, to, to get him to love us more. And there's nothing we can't do that get him to love us less. So that is hard to believe. It is. But it's life-changing when we do. Yes. And it's biblical. Yes. You're, you're right on. But the disciplines are there to increase our awareness of his love for us and then my love for him. A statement you made, because we talked about stillness, I want to kind of progress to the next piece. You've said this before, and it messed with me. You said, Jesus was never moved at the tyranny of urgency. Mm. Unpack that, because we've talked about stillness. Now we're kind of moving into this process of, okay, we got to move, because we can't be still forever. But now we got to move. But even when Jesus moved, he was never moved at the tyranny of urgency. Unpack that. Well, I just think about uh, several stories. First of all, uh, um, he was friends, the Bible says, which of all the titles Moses had, that was maybe his best one, that he was God's friend. So mm-hmm. he had a friend in Martha and in Mary and in Lazarus. And when he would... He got to uh, Lazarus, you know, when Lazarus died, he was in the tomb already four days. So when Jesus finally, mysteriously late, I mean, it, he finally showed up in, in Bethany. So everyone but him thought he was late because he didn't come heal his, his friend Lazarus. And, um, and Martha met him like that. If you had been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died. So in Martha has this knowledge. I, I already know. I already know what's right. And I already know that you weren't on time. Wow. And um, my friend, my friend coined this phrase. He said, you know, God's never late, but he passes up a lot of opportunity to be early. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, that's good because look, there's, there's some things that, can I just say this? Can I be real? Yeah, please. They aggravate me about my relationship with God. Sometimes I think some things look unjust and I want them to fix it. 
and I want him to fix it in the way that I think he should. And, and another thing is this thing we're talking about timing. It's like, God, why were you not here or where were you? I didn't know where you were, but I know uh, you didn't show up and do what I thought you were going to do at the time I thought you were going to do. It was very aggravating. So we have to, like Martha, come to Jesus and just go, where? first of all, she talked to him directly. Mm. That's important. Mm. Not talked about him or distance and say, I don't, I don't want to talk to Jesus. He didn't perform when I thought he should. Mm. Um, so she came to him, which is huge. And then she listened as much as she could. And, and he said, uh, Martha, your brother will rise again. And she still didn't hear him, which Martha, I got that same disease sometimes. And uh, I love Martha. I love the Marthas in the Bible, man, because I, I can I can feel better about my relationship or my thoughts or whatever. And Martha's Jesus' friend. Yeah. So he thought a lot of her. But it, it, when he said that to her, he goes, um, yeah, uh, your brother will rise again. She goes, I know, I know, I know, I already know. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, like, at the end of the age of resurrection. I like the spiritual Christian yeah, answer. Yeah, 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 you're a spiritual guy. But that doesn't help my brother's dead in a tomb. I, you're not fixing my thing now. Mm. And there's that tyranny of the urgent, like, we sent a messenger for you, and you did not respond. So that's not good. And Jesus was never swayed by any of that. He knew the glory of God was was at hand. He knew his timing came from his father. And that same thing that you're talking about, that relationship with father, he, he knew what time it was. He's the only one that did. And I'm saying if I were uh, Lazarus friend, I, I probably would have joined Mary and Martha like Jesus, man, you, you you could have come done a healing thing like you're good at that healing thing man you missed it where were you and uh he you know he just said to her um no Mar martha not that i mean she she said he he said i am the resurrection mm. and the life he who believes in me will never perish and then he looked at her not to just be the the spiritual uh, Christianese thing that you're talking about. And he said, do you believe this? And I hear God asking me that when I'm still. Wow. Do you believe this? And she couldn't say, oh, yes, yes, I do. I surrender, I do. She couldn't say that. So I love her so much. She's so honest. And she said, I believe you're the Messiah. So she gave him everything she had. I don't know. I don't know, Jesus. I don't know. I, I think I believe that that you just said. But I, I really believe you're the Messiah. You're the one. So sometimes, God, I love that guy who said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Because that that's, feels so real. Like, I, I'll, I'll give you everything I got. It's only five loaves and two fish. There's like thousands of people around here, but I'll give it to you. And I think that's all God wants. And and in that, you know, he can take care of all the things that we're just so stressed about and we feel this urgency and urgency. And it's like, what clock are we looking at? Because Jesus never was looking at that clock. He never had people lead him and tell him what time it was. And it wasn't out of pride. It's just that he he had heard the Father, you know, and he knew what time it was. Man, the the part that you said, and I've heard you share shared a, 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 the same way, but you added something too. You were saying how stop coming to God with you knowing. You know the whole I know, I know. Like stop, stop knowing. You don't. You think you do. Oh, we think you do. Yeah. And, and, and when we say we think, like, we know we do. Oh, really wow. is what we're saying. <laughs> I know what time it is. He's dead. I know, God. <laughs> He's been dead four days. <laughs> like, that's that's incredible. So just the the idea of, like, like stop with the attitude and mindset of, like, stop knowing. I already know. And you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, something else you'd shared with me before, you said, um, 
learn to work out your life in front of people and always come with character and content. Um, when you, when you said that to me the first time you said, learn to work out your life in front of people. I don't know. That sounds so like, well, duh, I got to do my life in front of people. But when you said learn to work out your life in front, it, it was very freeing. Like, cause we feel like we have to work it out behind closed doors. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Like just, and you said it casually. So I don't think it was a statement that you've been holding in your back pocket. (laughs) I don't even remember. I'm like, you read that in the book and gave me the No, no, that was all you. (laughs) But we were talking and you were just saying, I like learn to work out your life in front of people. And, and and it might just be as simple as that, but like, I feel like there are people who are listening, watching, they, they feel like there's this pressure that they have to get in their healthy place behind clothes. Now, granted, I think there is a time and a place sure. and that's between you and the Lord. You got to work that out between you and the Lord. Um, I think there was a time and a place and a season where maybe you might have to step down from a certain position or whatever. But when you said that you, when we were initially talking about that, you just said it in a way where it was just like, it's, it's okay. Well, I think, let me give one caveat to that. And that is that you don't just live all your life on social media and tell everything to everybody. Right. 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 Um, so you, you can't, you got to watch. It's like these two guys, uh, went to promise keepers. Um, you know, that this is an old joke, but went to promise <laughs> keepers back in the day, these two pastors and this one guy, he goes, okay, we're, we're meeting for accountability and, and tell me, you know, what you tell me what's in your heart. He goes, man, I'm just eating up with lust. I can't, see a, a a woman and not just have bad thoughts and I'm, I'm terrible. I'm bad. And the next guy said, well, I, I tell everything I, I hear and I I've already told somebody what you said and you know, I just can't keep it to myself. So you got to be careful who you tell. So it, it, within the, the confines of trust, Mark, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just uh, teasing, but the confines of, of who you trust we don't have to be all put together all the time. And I've especially been challenged with this in leadership. And I'll tell you um, that my friend Derek Dunn, who you had on this this show, has taught me so much about this. He's, he's our campus pastor here. But um, he just has taught me not to defend myself. And, of course, he's just leading me back to what the Lord would teach. <clears throat> but I had to learn it through through really his saying it to me and, and coaching me a little bit. And, um, that's, it, it addresses an inner fear that maybe we all have. And I confess I had, um, when I first got to gateway, it was a lot larger church than I've been a part of. And, and there's some professionalism here that, that I hadn't, I needed to grow into Mm -hmm. quite honestly. And so, I was afraid when I got here that, um, and I didn't even know I had this, it was a dull lie waste somewhere. And this is after this transformation that I told you about before. So I didn't come here fixed for sure. And anyway, I had this thought that, okay, I'm afraid to be found out that I don't really have what it takes to do, do to do this job. Do you think a lot of people live with that too? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a lie that the enemy places someplace in your past, and and somehow inadvertently we believe him. And there's enough evidence that he'll show you over and over and over again, and failure that see you, I told you you you're inadequate, you can't do it, you don't have what it takes. I told you, and that that voice somewhere, some some people, it's a. It's a father, so when we talk about God the Father, that's not a comfortable uh, term for you. And and I just pray the Lord heal you, that uh, he show you what a real father is like. Um, just look at maybe his relationship with his son Jesus, how he treated him, mm-hmm. uh, the best relationship in the Bible. But as we as we see, Mark, what um, you know the the healing can do, it, it you can we can actually be secure enough. There is a place where we don't have to defend ourselves and we can, it's okay. And I see this in you. I don't see you as insecure when, as you've come into, you know, to this job, you've not been defensive and okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. You don't have to teach me anything. You've been very eager to learn. 
And that's a sign of security where you're not always trying to say, I know, I know, I know. I, I'm, I, I already know, Jesus. I know what you're going to say. But you're, you're learning and open-handed, open-hearted. That's a healthy sign. So, you know, I've, I've not, I gave you that advice out of not doing it the right way and learning it maybe the hard way, but we just don't have to be so insecure. Mm. That's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. And you know, people see insecurity. I mean, people see flaws that I have already, so I'm not going to be good enough in hiding them from everybody. That's just going to present another problem. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's good. It's good. Well, as we wrap up, man, this has been great. Um, are there any final, uh, thoughts or things you'd want to share maybe to the person that feels like, man, they just feel, um, kind of lost. They kind of feel like they're at their wits end. They want more of this self-awareness. Um, if there, are there any final thoughts or words of encouragement that you have at, and however you want to go about that? Well, I'll just say something extremely profound and that, you know, it, it's all over the Bible, but God loves you. And, and for you to be able to receive that um, it is healing to your soul. Mark, you were quoting Psalm 23 today, a beautiful psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He refreshes because of his love. So he he is the one who, uh, and you said this too, out of Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew 11, where Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy with burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Aren't we looking for that? Don't we need that? Uh, and and I just I just want to say that when you come to Jesus, there's no safer place. And give him equal time. You can tell him everything you want to say. Just tell him how much it hurts. Tell him how mad you are. Tell him how unfair it is. But give him equal time. And maybe write him a letter. You know, dear God, I'm gonna and just let it go. Let your pen go. Dear God, and you sign it your name. And then write another letter and say your name. And then then write what God would say to you. And I just challenge you. Nobody's watching. You don't have to show your paper to anybody. But just write it as though the Lord was speaking to you. And just see what that pen says. And see what if it changes your heart. It's not some magic uh, trick or something. But it's just it's an open thing. Here's the thing. Uh Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice. That's not saying my sheep have to learn how to hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. They're, we're cre- it. Yeah, we're created yeah. Yeah, to do that. So I just want to tell you how much he loves you and how much, I, I can't explain this, Mark, but when we are still, as both of us have said, he likes it. Like he enjoys that time. And I don't, I don't know. I have nothing to offer him that's profound. He's not going to learn anything from me. He's not, you know, I don't have something, whatever. But even as I sing, there's people that sing a lot better than I do. But he likes my praise because mm. he loves me and he loves you. And that's what I would say is that uh, there's no safer place to go. Ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, the man himself. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bruce Menifee. <laughs> Can you turn that up louder? <laughs> God, just encore. Encore. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, well, thank you so much, Bruce. Seriously, this has been um, wonderful. If you guys enjoy this, seriously, post in the comments below your biggest takeaway. And leave a review if you guys have been following this um, audio-wise, whether it's on Spotify or Apple. But, um, Bruce, seriously, truly, truly appreciate you, man. Um, this has been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Um, dude, 
I'm just glad you came on here, it's man. It's a pleasure to to know your your subscribers and to be on the podcast, man. I'm so thankful for our friendship and for you being at Gateway. I'm glad. Glad God put us together. For sure. For sure. Likewise. Uh, we probably don't have them on another time, y'all. Just just a little foreshadow. Spoiler alert. If you want some sparks, get Ruth up in here, too, man. <laughs> oh, man. Woo! Dude, if we did this with Ruth <laughs> Andrew, hey. Man. Post in the comments if you want to see that happen. If you want to see our wives together, come on. That would be a hoot, man. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> hey, well, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in. We will catch you guys on the next one. Peace out.